Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. So this week we are going to be talking about fear. Fear. I think fear is an important topic. Uh, it was Josh's idea, so I'm sure he'll have lots of good stuff to add on it. Fear is a liar. We were just singing that. Fear is a liar. Thanks, Zach. We appreciate you. Um, I mean, no, fear is a liar, but I think fear kills people. I mean, fear stops people from ever stepping foot out. Fear stops you from attempting sobriety because you know that you'll never last. Mm. You know, I think so often people have, they walk around with doubt. You know, what do they say fear stands for? Forget everything and run. Yeah, right. Um, what else do they say fear stands for? Uh, um, false evidence appearing real. Yeah. So, and that's what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. we create something, and because of something that we create, it stops us mm-hmm. from really living life. Yeah. You know, why would I ever ask her out? We just talked about relationships, you know, right. so why would I ever ask her out? Right. If I ask her out, she's going to turn me down. Mm-hmm. Right? Because nobody loves me. Nobody wants to be with me. Right. It's the fear. Like the definition is a, is a feeling induced by perceived danger. You know? yeah. Perceived danger. Right. So that perceived means that it doesn't have to be uh-huh. danger. I mean, sometimes, yeah. Right. Sometimes you're walking through the Amazon and, or you're walking through Australia where everything's poisonous right. um, and <laughs> you think you see a snake yeah. and you jump. Now, if it was a snake, that's some pretty healthy fear and that's a positive thing. Uh-huh. Um, if it wasn't a snake, then you jump for absolutely no reason. Yep. Um, so I think fear kind of works that way as I would just like my train of thought just kind of stop there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make this really great <laughs> analogy and it's not yeah, going anywhere. Yeah. What, here's what I think about, about fear is um, this was, if anybody has um, messed with crystal meth in the past and how it fries your brain, man, and induces that paranoia, you know? Right. Um, this was years after I was into recovery. And, um, you know, when I was active in my addiction, I always had this insane fear that the cops were there, the SWAT team was In the there, trees. In the trees, yeah. all over the place, man. And Calling I, you in their cars. All my, uh, without fail, they were. Uh, they never arrested me. <laughs> Turns out they're never there. Uh, but anyways, um, I was at an outside mall in Phoenix, and this was like two years into my recovery, with my mom, just having lunch with her. And um, I don't know what it was. I don't know the environment or somebody I saw or a look in her eye. I have no idea what it was, but all of a sudden I had that fear rise up in me that I used to have all the time when I was in, active in my addiction. And I became convinced that was, she was setting me up. And I wasn't wanted for anything. I wasn't in trouble. And um, I remember I could see, you know, you know, any, active in your addiction, you see this all the time. I could see the cops. They were there. Right. I could see these guys undercover walking around me. And I could see my mom trying to signal them. And it was just an insane thing that snowballed. And I remember looking at my mom and I said, why are you trying to set me up? And, <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, oh, we're eating Jimmy John's, Josh. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even dine and dash. I already paid for it. <laughs> right? And it's, uh, it's fear. It's just... 
induced by perceived danger, something that was not even, not even on planet Earth, not even close to real. It just totally froze me in that moment. And um, I think when we let fear run that into us, it does. It freezes us, you know, and it, and it paralyzes us. And it prevents us from really moving forward in life. Yeah, I, I changed the way I used to ask uh, that question because fear says, why would I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and now I ask myself, why wouldn't I do that? Mm. You know, I remember reading a quote, and once again, I remember people's quotes. I don't remember who says anything because uh, I killed a lot of brain cells. <laughs> but he says, uh, people see things that are and ask why. I dream of things that are not and ask why not. That's so good. You know, and, and to me, that's what overcoming fear was. Instead of saying, you know, what's going to happen to me if I do this, I, I look at it, what's going to happen if I don't do this? That's so good. Right? Um, because I'll be honest, when I first looked at leaving uh, a, a pretty good career, uh-huh. actually as a therapist, um, not going to lie, therapists can actually make pretty decent money. Uh-huh. Um, when I looked at leaving a career that I'd gone all the way through grad school for uh, to start doing uh, recovery supports, mm. people are like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And well, why would you do that? Mm. And I told them why, and they're like, well, that's not going to fly. And then whenever I was like, you know, now that I have all these events and stuff going, I need to open up a recovery community center. Well, why would you do that? Mm. Nobody opens up a recovery community center. It sounds dumb. Uh You know, I I had all these naysayers that were around me. Um, You know, I I, I remember uh, they did an interview with a couple people whenever I was a Missouri mental health champion Uh a couple years ago. And one of them was with my old... uh, director who had hired me uh-huh. and amazing woman Mary Turner she hired me knowing my past knowing mm-hmm. that I had used for 25 years mm-hmm. knowing I was a convicted felon and she hired she had me work a practicum and then after my first practicum she hired me on full time and uh, in this interview she said you know he would come to me all the time with this dream he had and she said, I, I would tell, I would explain to him why that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then he'd leave. And then he'd come back to me and show me how he was doing it, you know, mm-hmm. like six months later. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something that I've always been able to do. And the cool thing about Mary is Mary always supported everything. Like she was my first board member and literally looked at me and, and said, I know someday I'm going to lose you. Mm. But you're really good at what you do here, but you're great at what you do out there. That's so good. You know, and, and to me, she supported me through that fear because uh, I think I've had to step out in fear. And that's the other thing is realizing that that fear, it, it literally does, it exists in your mind. Yeah, it's so good. You know, um, if you really want to do something, you can let fear dictate you not doing it uh-huh. or you can do it regardless. Yeah. What are like some of the practical things like when people were telling you, no, you shouldn't do this. No, you can't do this. What, what is your thought process when somebody says that to you? Um, my thought process was, well, me and my wife set out a budget. And based on the budget, it says I can make 30% less than I make right now and still pay bills and still make sure that my kids have food in their belly and a roof over their head. Because that's literally, I mean, yeah. I took a 33% pay cut mm-hmm. uh, whenever I shifted jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, amazingly, I got brought in to um, consult on a couple federal grants. Mm-hmm. And instantly made up that money right. that I was out. Yeah, isn't it you cool? know. Uh, so even though we could have lived on mm-hmm. what I was making, it brought it up to a place. Uh-huh. And it seems like that's how it always happens when right. you st- when you're doing the right thing. Uh-huh. 
I'm not going to say good things always happen because life's still going to kick you in the butt. Right. I mean, there's Definitely. still that fear. What if I can't pay yeah, my bills? Sure. You know, um, I, I have a different big book than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my big book is a 66-page love letter. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it, it, it got, there's a reason, I think, that somebody came out and said, you know, if you're going to go out and teach and travel right. around, I don't know if I get married. Mm. Um, not oh. because you shouldn't get married, but yeah. because it's a lot harder. Yeah. You know, for a lot... For a lot of, for several, several years, my wife was like a single mom mm-hmm. because I was always gone traveling, speaking, right. talking, and I still do that a lot, but not mm-hmm. as much, you know, but it definitely takes a toll. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I look, I think we need to look at fear and literally maybe do a cost benefit analysis. Oh, well, you know, I like CBAs, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, if I do, if I don't do this. Uh-huh. What's the ne- what's the positive things that can happen? What's the negative things that can happen? I love that. If I don't do if I do do this, what's the negative things that can happen? What's the positive things that can happen? And what's amazing is it's always came out more positive. I mean, at the end of the day, life's not about money. Mm. Uh, I always say my retirement plan is death, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, I don't have a huge 401k. That's what happens when you really don't have a true job until you're in your 40s right. because you spent, you know, a quarter of a century uh, mired in substance use. Yep. I understand that. Or substance misuse. Um, <laughs> act of right. substance use yes. disorder. Yes. You know, so... So there's not that fear, but but I think we've got we've got to look it in the face. Yeah, I agree. And do the right thing. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's why I may not make the money, but I sleep better than I used to, because I'm doing what I love, and I know that what I'm doing has an impact. I agree. You know. Um, yeah. And for me, I um, this year was a big uh, a big step for me from moving from Phoenix to here. And I, there was fear, and I did that exact thing. I did a CBA, man. I sat down and did my pros and cons, and I said, why am I going to move to Missouri, and why would I stay in Phoenix? What are the pros and the cons? And it was just, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I stepped out and made that jump. And um, Daddy Mac will make you jump. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. It's crisscross. It's crisscross. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Then I did that. I stepped out, you know. And I think that um, even... I don't think the fear goes away, right? Like, it simply disappears. So. But I think that's courage is when you step out in spite of that fear, and um, and you do it anyways. And uh, um, I think John Maxwell says this. He says the greatest mistake we make is living in constant fear that we'll make one. You know that that idea that that the greatest mistake is is that we make is living in constant fear that we're going to make one. Always fearing that the next thing I do I do is going to be wrong. It's going to be wrong. It's going to be wrong. Um, and in my life. Pre Atlanta, that was my life. It was mistake after mistake after mistake, man. Oh my Atlanta! <laughs> <laughs> and so now, though, um, it's a different thing, man. It's a it's a it's a different journey because I am, I have, and I will continue to do that next right thing. I'm not always perfect, but um, it's not one mistake after another. Now it's a it's a different, it's a different animal. I don't gotta I don't gotta worry that my mom set me up by the police. I'm okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and, and when the cops. I see a cop behind me. I mean, now my eye goes down to the speedometer just to make sure I'm not speeding. Instead of sitting there stressing out about, man, did I leave something in my car? Do I have something in my pocket? Did somebody else in the car that dropped something out of their pocket? Yeah, I know, man. You know, um, but yeah, instead of asking yourself uh, why, ask yourself why not. Why not? You know, um, I did a podcast towards the very beginning of these on what's called uh, a guy. Which is a Japanese concept that's no, it's kind of the reason for being. And it said basically, if you can figure out an intersection of 
what you're good at, what the world needs, um, what you can get paid for, and what you love. Uh-huh. That that sweet spot in the middle is kind of a ikigai. You know, that's so. I think sometimes we've got to figure out our why, right? Why do I exist? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Nitschke said, "He who has a why can endure anyhow." Yeah. And not anyhow, but any how, uh-huh. right? And I've always really liked that. Yeah. Um, and uh, William William Barclay said, uh, "There are two great days in a person's life: the day we're born and the day we discover why." why? That's so, good. so, so, that. so if I've uh, figured out why. Uh-huh. Or even G.I. Joe, right? Because <laughs> now you know and knowing is half knowing the battle. Knowing is half of the battle. Right? But seriously, uh-huh. once I figure out my why, uh-huh. don't ever let fear stand in the way of right. you chasing your why, of yeah. you finding your Ica guy. Yeah. Right. right? Because once I figure out what I'm put on this world to do, mm. you know, like literally I remember after all the de- making my deal, uh-huh. I'm in the shower, um, and that voice I've heard my entire life, you're talking about stepping out and making this movie made. No, I, here I'm talking about getting sober. Okay. okay. You know, this voice I've heard my entire life said, why would you try to quit just to fail again? Aren't you tired of failing? Aren't you tired of promising people something? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could just expound on that because once it planted that seed, then my head's running with, yeah. I am. I'm sick and tired of telling people I'm going to do something and letting them down over and over again. I'm sick and tired of being unreliable and telling people, hey, you know what? This time you, this time I really mean it. I know. I swear, this time you can believe me. I got and, so sick of saying that. And because of that, fear almost, it, it almost stopped me. I mean, to the point that I was on my car, on my way to my friend's house, where I was going to get drunk. Mm. I was going to get crazy hammered because mm-hmm. that's what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, um... And that's when that Brandon Heath song came on the radio and um, just flipped my flipped me on my ear. And I, for the first time in my life, I heard a positive voice. You know, but literally fear had me beat before I even started. Uh-huh. And, and that's the thing is we can't let fear, because fear is a liar. Uh-huh. Fear never encourages us and says, hey, you know what you can do, buddy? Right. You know, fear you says, oh my God, you can't do that. Adam Sandler, they're all going to laugh at you. You know, I mean, literally, they're all going to laugh at you. Why would you even try? And the truth is, I can let fear keep me where I'm at. And complacency kills people. You know, um, staying where you're at kills people. You know, um, and there's so many things, right? Those hurts, habits, those hangups that stop us from going out. Mm -hmm. And that voice that tells us, You've always right. been this way, yeah. right? It yeah. stops kids from going to college because uh-huh. nobody in your family's ever gone to college. You're not going to be right. the first. You're going to be like everybody else. You're going to be on food stamps. You're going to be on unemployment. You're going to be yeah. on disability, just like your mom, just like your grandma, just mm-hmm. like everybody in your family, yep. right? So well, of course you're going to have a drinking problem. Yeah. Everybody in your family has a drinking problem. You're never going to escape this curse. Right. Fear stops us from breaking the cycle. Yeah, what if I step out and I'm wrong? Yeah. You know? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Who you know, cares? But that's that we, we take that and it freezes us in our spot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's it's in those mistakes we have to learn more about ourselves. Um, so I, I we talk about the locker room sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And I did the locker room mm-hmm. and uh, I have all these things laid out and I presented it at a conference. Mm-hmm. And at the end I said, Hey, you know what? This is the first time that I've ever presented this. Is there anything I left out? And this is at a consumer conference, right? Mm-hmm. So it's people with mental health disorders, developmental disabilities, substance use disorders. Uh-huh. Um, and this girl raised her hand. And I'm like, yeah, what do you think I should have in there? And she said, you know, you didn't talk about losing in there. 
She said, and I think you need to talk about it because losing is where we tend to learn the most. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I don't have losing in there. You know, so so I think about it this way. Um, it's a sports analogy, the locker room. Let's do it. So imagine I have an opportunity to practice for the rest of my life mm-hmm. uh, against um, a fifth grader, mm-hmm. basketball. Right. We're going to play basketball, and there's this little... 10-year-old fifth grader uh-huh. that I'm going to play basketball against, you know, uh-huh. four foot six. Right. And then I have an opportunity to play against Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and practice against him every single day. Mm-hmm. If I practice against the fifth grader, you know what I'm going to do every single day? Win. Hashtag winning, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm going to win every single game uh-huh. we ever play. Right. I can take half of it off uh-huh. and I'm still going to win. Yep. Mm-hmm. If I play one-on-one practice against Michael Jordan for the rest of my life, you know what I'm probably never going to do? Never going to win. Never going to win. Mm-hmm. But imagine two years from now, me pl- me practicing in a gym with Jordan every single day one-on-one. When I step out of there and I play somebody else now, yeah. how's my game going to be? Right. It's all elevated. Now, if I just play against that fifth grader and I win every day, how's my game going to be when I step out and play against somebody? Yep. I'm probably going to get smashed. Yeah. I'm not going to get better. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to learn. What, you know, when I put up that shot and I've got this dude blocking it and uh-huh. cramming it back down my throat, yep. I'm not going to learn how to put a, a high arch on it, right. how, how to do, a, 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 you know, a jumper, uh-huh. you know, right. how to shoot a jumper, right. how, you know what, sometimes whenever I go in for a layup, I'm going to have to come off the side off the glass because mm-hmm. this person's coming at me with an arm because they're taller than I am. Yep. And everybody's taller than I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, Even I'm 5'6", me. and, and I will tell you, I got pretty decent at basketball back in the day. I mean, yeah. we, we used to play it on the yard. You play a year of basketball on the yard in prison every day. Yeah. You're going to get pretty stinking good. Yeah, I get that. Right? Um, not to mention all the ball I played before then, but those are things that I had to learn, how to post off people, how to push off a little bit so I could get that separation. Right. I'm not going to learn that from playing the fifth grader, even though I'm going to win every single time. Yep. It reminds me of a... I haven't played video games in a long time, but last time I did, I had Sega Dreamcast. That tells you how long ago that was. Sega! Sega! And I played NFL 2K1, and I would stack my team when I played the computer so I could win. I wanted to win 100 to nothing. I wanted to rush for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards every time. And then I would have a friend come over to play me, and they would smoke me, and I hated it, you know, because I just was used to stacking the team, just like playing that fifth grader. You know, I was never really that good at it, you know. Right. And yet we begin to think that we're good at it. Uh Uh-huh. So fear stops me from stepping out. Mm-hmm. Fear tells me that that it's that losing's horrible. Yeah. You know. Not. I mean, I can't tell you I like to watch UFC and I grew up watching boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody get knocked down and come back and win the fight. I mean, I've seen people completely right. down and out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think of the yeah. Frankie Edgar uh oh my gosh. Oh my god. Who was the brawls that he had? The, yeah, with Benson Henderson, some of those. Yeah, but those no, not the ones with Ben though. Um Dang it. cannot think of the guy's name. Um, but anyway, uh, they had a couple huge fights. And I mean, they both just beat the tar out of each other. I know I'm going to sit here look it up on my <laughs> sit here look it up on my phone Ooh. right now. I'm like, Frankie Edgar. Um, we're going to have to go way back for these two. But, you know, I mean, uh-huh. it really doesn't matter. Yes. But it does. Yeah. You know, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. But... I mean, he looked like he was completely out of it, and yet came back and won these fights. And those are the stories you remember. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, you you don't grow on the peak of the mountain. You grow in the climb. Right. You know, yeah. whenever they talk about the valleys, yeah. that's huge. Mm-hmm. 
Because you do. You grow in those valleys. Uh, Gray Maynard. Oh, yeah. Those were great. Dude, I mean, uh, talk about some barn burners. And to come back and win, you know. I I mean, he had that draw in that second one, though. I mean, it looked like he was out of it. Yeah. You know, I will always remember just the beatdown. Mm-hmm. That that went on on both sides, yeah, you know, and for Frankie Edgar to end up getting the KO, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we are all over the place, and that's great. I know Donald Miller's one of my favorite authors, and he wrote a book called Through the Painted Desert. One of his quotes is that if there are no stakes in the story, there is no story, you know, and it, it, that's that's so true. If we don't step out and face those things that we fear, we're really not going to be able to tell a great story, anyways. Right. Yeah. And, and if there's not, I mean, if there's no pain, there's no growth. Yeah. You know. So true. Um. Oh my gosh, what was. <sighs> there are those who are born scared, afraid, unwilling to show any nuts or guts. Oh, that's great. We eat those people for breakfast. It was like a No Fear shirt I had back <laughs> that's in the day. All, no Fear shirts back yeah. in the day. Oh, There's a No Fear shirt man. I had back in the day, but it's the uh, truth, though. I mean, uh, you know, um, without, I mean, without sweat. Yeah. You know, uh, um, we don't make ourselves better. I mean, going in, I mean, look at the gym. When we build muscles, it's about literally. Destroying muscles and tearing them apart. Let them rebuild back bigger, better, stronger, leaner. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what we need to do in life, period. It and is. fear will always stop us from doing that, so mm-hmm. we do. Not yeah. to quote Zach Williams, so, <laughs> though, but we do. We need to look we at do. fear and say, listen, you're a liar. You may tell me what uh-huh. I can't do, but I know uh-huh. what I can do. Mm-hmm. And I've got a team of people that support me. That's why mentors, sponsors, accountability partners are so important. Because those are the people that show us the way and Mm -hmm. encourage us and walk beside us while we're doing it. Because, yeah, it can be really daunting. Fear can shut me down if it's just me. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Um, No man is an island. Yeah. Isolate yourself. You know. um, What did they say? My mind's a really scary neighborhood for me to hang out all by myself in. (laughs) You know, um, my best thinking got me where I am today. But but that's the truth, though. Uh And for a a long time, you talked about those neural pathways. Uh I had a neural pathway where uh, fear, oh, I'm going to get high. Uh I mean, literally, fear came out as anger. Yeah. You know, if I was afraid, if I got scared, then it came out as anger. Mm -hmm. And I would use to kind of knock the edge off of the fear. Yeah. Right? And it kept me stuck where I was. And then the pain, oh my gosh, the withdrawals, everything mm-hmm. else kept me, mm-hmm. right? So fear will keep us in the circle. It will. Fear keeps us locked in the cycle. Fear keeps a, a, somebody who's in an abusive relationship going back to the abusive relationship because, well, the next guy could be worse. Right? right? Yeah. So fear keeps us locked into so many things. And until we figure out how to overcome that fear, yeah. And how do you overcome fear? That's so great. I was just going to ask that. I was saying, you know, we talked about this, that practice analogy. What does, what does that look like in the practical? Like, how can we practice facing fear every day? I think um, if you find yourself in the comfortable too much, right. you're, not, you're not facing the fears in your life, man. And so if it's fear of rejection, you need to put yourself in a position where you can be rejected. Well, in CPS, I mean, we have this little worksheet, right? Moving through fear. Oh, we sure do. Uh, it says, you know, ask yourself a question. If I were not afraid, I would blank, 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 blank. What is it? What would, what you, would do? you do? What would you do? What would I do if I wasn't If you weren't afraid, what would you do? More than I'm doing. If I wasn't afraid. I know. I'm living my best life. <laughs> like, literally, I, I said this at the last uh, CPS training. Uh-huh. Because when I would do this, uh, I would say, if I weren't afraid, I would step out on my own. You did it. 
And this last CPS training, I went back and I'm like, crap, I can't use that anymore because I've stepped out on my own. My board figured out a way to pay me. Yeah. So, so yeah. But anyway, yeah. I wasn't afraid of being an astronaut. <laughs> you know, but but you ask yourself that question and then, uh-huh. okay, so what is it that's stopping me? Like, uh-huh. what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. What's keeping me from living my best life right now? Yep. And usually me, it would be fear of failure or fear of what others think. And one of those two things, which is both intertwined with each other because I'm fearing I'm going to fail because I'm going to fear what people are going to think about me for failing. Right. So that's kind of what comes to your mind in that situation. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned from past experience about how to successfully deal with those feelings and thoughts? Um, to walk it out. To, to face it, you know, um, not escape from it, not hide from it, but face it. And if I feel like that it's like when you're a case to step out and do something or in mine, when I stepped out and moved to Missouri, uh, to face it. So what are some small steps that could help you deal with those feelings and those negative thoughts? So good. I think that's where accountability partners come into play. I think okay. Mentors come into play. You that know? answers the next question. Well, the kind of support what I like to have to help yeah. me through that fear. And you know what else helps me is, um, since Atlanta, which was in October 2014, I have journaled every day of my life. And um, uh, sometimes I think things, and, and I think they're okay, and then I write them down on paper, and I'm like, don't ever say that out loud, you know? And so it helps me um, It helps me get my thoughts on paper and really get a grasp of what's going on up here. I do that on Facebook all the time. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I will put in my, my reply, my retort, my uh-huh. comment, uh-huh. and get it out, and then look at it, and... Delete. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I'll be like, ah, oh, maybe I should pay hey, Julie, should I post this? And she's like, if you have to ask me, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> so yeah. I love it too. And you like to put some fire starters out there too. So yeah, so. identify your support. Yes. You know, who are those people gonna be? Mm-hmm. Um, what have I learned about successfully dealing with feelings that arise when I move out of my comfort zone? Hmm, that's good. I have learned learned it's okay to feel those things. I've learned that because before I thought it wasn't okay and I try to stuff it or try to hide or try to escape, but it's okay. It's okay to be me. It's okay to feel this way. Yeah. So do you tend to try to avoid feelings, run from feelings or tolerate the feelings? Um, I, uh, I tolerate them until I, until they, they bubble up over me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to be, I am a very deep feeler. And so, um, but I can, I can tolerate them, and then there's no bubble up over. Yeah, so maybe setting something up like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, okay, so if that's the way I've dealt with it in the past, then what am I going to do now? You know what? It's okay to feel this way. Instead of running from those feelings, instead of tolerating those feelings, maybe I need to work through those feelings. Mm-hmm. You know. Man, I've always failed. Well, you know what? There's a lists of people. Abraham Lincoln lost like his first six elections. Right. Um, the people that wrote the chicken noodle soup for the soul. Yeah. yeah uh, they went to over thirty publishers. Uh-huh. And were turned down over thir- by th- over thirty mm-hmm. publishers before they find it, finally found a publisher that that said, "Hey, you know what? We'll go ahead and yeah. do this." Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest selling books of all time. Yeah. Imagine being those thirty people that were the naysayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to publish that. Yeah. Imagine the hundreds of millions of dollars that they've lost out on because they didn't step out. That's so good. I um that that reminds me that was that's probably mine. Is I wrote a book and I had a bunch of people support me in it and um, I took it to the first publisher and they denied me and I haven't picked it back up since. That fear of failure. So sounds like you got a book we need to get published, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty then. So look fear in the face. 
Tell it it's a dirty liar. Amen. Find yourself people that can help support you through whatever it is you're afraid of. First piece through and make sure that, I mean, sometimes there's a healthy fear and it's there for a reason. Yeah. Right? Is this something I should do? Is this something I would want my kids to do? Is this something I would want my niece or nephew or that person that I care about the most to do? Mm-hmm. You know, is this something I would do if they were watching me and they were standing right here next to me? You know, um, and if you can say yes to that, once again, I mean, step out, mm-hmm. step out in faith, man, and know that that sometimes we've got to fall. Yep. You know, sometimes we're going to get turned down 30 plus times before mm-hmm. we get somebody that believes in us. Yeah. Uh, we may every time a door opens, I mean, a door shuts. Um, you can reopen it. It's a door. That's how they work. Uh, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Every time a door closes, another one opens. Yeah, but maybe I want to go through that one. It's the way it's made. It's made to open and close. It's perfectly okay. Right? So let's just go with that. And let's say that that if it's meant to be, it will. Um, things don't always work out the way we want them to, but they're always going to work out the way they're supposed to. And know that sometimes maybe it's not yet. Right? Sometimes the answer is yes, no. Sometimes that answer is not yet. But if it's the right thing, eventually it, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. You know, but don't ever let fear tell you that you can't do something, that you can't accomplish something, that you can't stop doing something. Mm, so good. Right? Yes. Donald Miller also says fear is a manipulative emotion that can trick us into living a boring life. Yeah, and by God, my life's going to be stinking exciting. Woo! Woo! Got raised the roof. <laughs> Uh, at five six, I don't need roofs raised. I mean, literally, I'm good. I couldn't raise a roof if you gave me a step ladder. I still couldn't reach it. Um, with my six inch, forty seven year old fat white male vertical. It's incredible. Incredible. <laughs> uh, thank you. Mad I appreciate the support. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, well, actually, I guess it'll be ten questions next week. Probably, who knows? It'll be something next week. Um, thanks for listening. Any last words? Here's a liar. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You go, Zach Williams. There <laughs> yeah. is a liar. Um, great song. And uh, yeah, just know that if you want it to happen, you can do it as long as you surround yourself with the right people. Right? At the end of the day, it's not about fear. It's about walking through the fear with support. And y'all have an amazing week. Bye. See ya. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network?